Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I am Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, how are we doing? Metcalf, I'm doing great. Um, you know, draft season's heating up. I'm, I'm getting excited now that we got the actual lottery order set after uh, months of debating. And I'm really excited for our guest because I was nervous OKC was going to have four and give me headaches for three weeks straight about what Sam Presti was going to do. So I'm excited for this episode. How about yourself, Metcalf? I'm fantastic. And like you said, we're incredibly excited to welcome on today's guest. Uh, if you're familiar with The Athletic, which why wouldn't you be? That'd be weird. Um, then you'll immediately recognize his voice. He's a producer for The Athletic NBA Show, host of the Saturday Slam and Jam Show on The Athletic NBA feed, and the host of the Down to Dunk podcast. He is an NBA connoisseur at large, but his heart lies with the Oklahoma City Thunder. He is Andrew Schlecht. Andrew, thank you for joining us. How's it going? Hey guys, uh, it's going great. Thank you for that lovely intro. That was very nice. Well, we're, we're thrilled to have you. And I think the Thunder were one of the biggest winners on lottery night. So um, before we dive into their young core and potentially, you know, different routes that you would like to see them go with in the draft, just what were your kind of immediate lottery emotions, reactions? What, what was your thought process going through that? Oh man. So we had a lottery party here with our down to dunk podcasts and listeners uh, at a, a local place downtown in Oklahoma city. Uh, we packed in like three or 400 crazy thunder fans. And the reaction was just pure electricity. I mean, as there, it is, it is like the ultimate viewing experience with a giant group of people that all care so much. Like before, the, the show starts like everybody is either talking themselves into something great happening or feeling like they're going to throw up, you know, for like two hours beforehand. And it's just, it's just incredible because we all kind of feel these similar vibes. And then to have the Thunder one, make it to the commercial break. Like that's just one of the goals. And <laughs> yes. this just all the luck, all the luck stuff. It's just like, can we just get to the commercial break? And once you get there, you feel you feel awesome, and then once really you just want to be top three in this draft, and the Thunder needed to be top three, and when the Kings drew four, the place just erupted, <laughs> and then the the feeling not only of knowing that you're in the top two, but the fact that the Rockets, four Thunder fans, the fact that the Rockets are behind you in the draft just feels even sweeter. <laughs> And then you, and then you're like, okay, who cares if we're one or two? Who cares? It's just gonna be incredible. So yeah, I, I actually put out a video of the reaction on our YouTube page, and it's hilarious and unbelievable, <laughs> and the dumbest thing because it means, I mean, it's great. It's great. It doesn't mean everything for your future success, but it could. Who knows? Right. It's just you know, <laughs> exactly. it's just one of these weird sports nights that's just so fun. That's incredible. Um, so it, it really seems like there isn't any um, sadness or deterrence or anything with the fan base because and people act like the Thunder have been tanking for a decade when, you know, you guys laid it out on your show the other day where it's like it's only been like 
two years since yeah. you guys are in the playoffs. So is the fan base at all deterred about the, you know, quote unquote tanking these last two years, or is it just, Hey, this is a new chapter. We're going to trust whatever comes through and just enjoy the, and you know, enjoy the entire ride. Yeah. I think with what they have in place now, you probably feel pretty good. Now, if they drew like six or seven in this draft, you're like, okay, if they're going to, they're eventually going to be good, but how good can they actually be? You know, are we talking like a perpetual five seed in the Western Conference? Like, that's not, <clears throat> that's not the goal. And so in drawing two, I think that every, like, you have to be in on the plan now. You know, right. you're, you're going to get a, a top two player in this draft. You have to be in on the plan because, and especially the kind of players that are available in this draft, it's, it's what the Thunder need. You know, they need a big guy. They need somebody that can score. You know, they're going to have an option there that's going to be really good, whether it's Chet or Jabari or maybe they like Paolo. But it's there's going to be a good option that fits what the Thunder needs specifically. Because if you're if you're a team that needs ball handling and you need you know shot creation from the guard position, it's like oh this is kind of a rough draft for you. But the Thunder, I think if you're a Thunder fan, you have to be feeling pretty good because they've they've got you know they've got that wrapped up with with Shea and with Giddy. Absolutely. Um, but before we dive into potential options for their draft picks this year, um, I, I kind of just want to touch on a couple of their draft picks from last year who had, you know, really surprised and came out of the gate really strong. <coughs> um, Rucker, I believe you were a little lower on Giddy going into last year's draft. So were you surprised by the kind of success or anything that he showed basically right away? No, you know, it, it was, um, you know, evaluating last year. I really, really liked Giddy. I just thought, he sort of needed to go to the right place. And it was awesome when Presti threw that curveball at all of us. Cause I, I think, you know, myself, I was expecting it maybe to be book night. Then it was giddy. And we were like, okay, here's a Presti special. He's really going on a limb. And um, I love giddy. I, I thought he was awesome last year as a rookie. I thought him and Shay together is going to be fantastic moving forward. I can't wait to see what he does with another year of, you know, full off season. Cause that first offseason for those draft guys when they're rookies is is so crucial because now they're like, all right, I don't have to go do 50 combine interviews and have all these, you know, media things. So um, I'm really excited to see what Giddy does in year two. I think the Thunder in great spot. And, and Metcalf, me and you were pretty high on Trey Mann, and I thought he showed some signs towards the end of the season. Oh, we we will certainly get to Trey in a minute here. Um, but <laughs> Andrew, uh, I, I remember when the pick was made, a, a lot of Thunder fans on social media were hesitant, uh, yeah. to say the least about it. Um, has that feeling changed? Has he kind of be, quickly become one of the darlings of the team? Without a doubt. When he didn't make the all-rookie first team, uh, there was a large segment of the fan base that was really mad about that. It's like, guys, he played 54 games. Like, chill out. You know, <laughs> he still made the second team. It's okay. Uh, but yeah, I think the the IQ stuff just popped immediately. You know, you just watch him play, and you're like, holy smokes! Like, he understands spacing and understands angles better than probably anybody in Thunder history has. You know, that I don't think that that's a stretch. And the Thunder have had obviously a lot of really great players. Um, actually I, I take that back. Chris Paul probably understands them better than Giddy, but still it's, it's kind of weird to remember that Chris Paul played for the Thunder. Yes, you know, yeah. like he just had like this brief stop with the Thunder. He doesn't necessarily feel like a Thunder player, but he definitely was. Um, his rebounding is elite from that position. 
and his ability to just push and find the right guys. And, you know, I think that it makes you feel really good about this current draft that you got him last year because these guys that are at the top of this draft need somebody like Josh to set them up and need somebody that can find them in really creative ways. And that's what, that's like his specialty. And the big question with him, and it's still a huge question is what is the scoring and the shooting going to look like in the next few years? The guy works really hard. Uh, The hope is that he can be able to shoot from three at a, a decent clip, like at 33, 34%. Like I don't, I think that that's, probably like the most reasonable ask if you're wanting him to improve as a shooter mm-hmm. uh, just for somebody to want to guard him but you know he shot shot it decently from the free throw line and you know he's going to provide a ton of stuff for you whether or not he shoots the basketball you know he's he's kind of there off on offense he's going to be kind of their Draymond Green plus of this team you know he's going to be the glue for the offense and you know hopefully they get some good shooting and you know, there's options with that at the top and at 12. So, I mean, it's it, the pick feels better. And I don't think this has been talked about enough. Like Josh is younger than a lot of the guys that are going to be picked at the top of this draft. Yeah. And his development is going to be such an interesting thing to watch because he really does want to be great and he wants to get better and he loves basketball. And I'm really excited that he is going to play. He's going to play in the Utah Summer League this year, which should be really fun to watch him there. And you know, who who knows what what it looks like for him? And he's gonna he's gonna fill out. I feel like he's gonna get pretty big and strong. And I think a lot of people worry about his defense, but to me, I I just wonder if he's going to defend fours. You know, whenever this team gets good again, because he's he's huge. And he's super strong already. And if you're worried about his lateral quickness, like just put him on force and and see what happens. So he's just such a weirdo player. Like there's not a good comp for him. There's not, you know, there's not been a player like him really in the NBA. And so it's just, it's just really intriguing, really fun to watch. And then an- another one of their rookies who I think I had rated higher than his own family did. Rucker, I know you were really high on him as well. Uh, there's Trey Mann. Um, w- what has been the reaction to Trey's first season? He had such a kind of a strange season, honestly, because it started out and we're talking to Mark Degnault during training camp. And he's like, yeah, Trey's having trouble getting shots off in practice. I'm like, huh? Okay, this guy's not, supposed to be a bucket. Off to a good start. <laughs> and he's and if you've ever spoken to him, one like incredibly nice, nice guy, and soft spoken and pretty humble kid. Um, and you just wonder, like, what, like is there is there like a is there a killer inside there? Is this guy just kind of soft spoken, just kind of nice guy and? You know, I saw him at the mall, you know, at the beginning of the season and like he stopped and took a picture with my kids and talked to us. And I walked, I walked past him first to go get something for my family. And my wife was like saying that he was like, oh, there's the Thunder media guy, you know, telling his family that, you know, like he's just such a kid, like he's just a kid. And it's just like, he's just, 
Now he's older than Josh, but he definitely pro- projects as really young still. Um, so all of that at the beginning of the year, I was like, okay, well, let's let's see what this guy's made of. Uh, and kind of the word on him was that the, the reason the Thunder took him is because they loved his step back three and the the weapon yeah. that that is. And if that translates, then, you know, who knows? And he started to gain confidence through the year and started to compete at a higher level through as the season went on. And Mark Degnault made sure of that. I mean, he would pull Trey if he made one, like if he made a bad mistake on defense, he'd pull him and he would sit him the rest of the game. And then he would tell us about it afterwards. <laughs> you know, it was, it was just a really interesting approach because he was really hard on Trey, but Trey took, took it and got better. And as the season progressed, he got better on defense. And then, that step back three, man, there's not a lot of players that can create the kind of space that he can just like that. And that is, that's obviously the most impressive thing about him is that he can, when he, and when he's hot, you know, he had two 20 point quarters this season with the thunder. He had that one in Miami. That was just crazy. He had like seven threes in a quarter against the Celtics. I mean, he just has the ability to be this microwave scorer. And I think the Thunder kind of envision him as their sixth man type of guy uh, off the bench. Um, he's not a bad passer. He's not a great passer. He's he's not really a point guard, uh, even though he you know played point guard in, in college and high school. Uh, and he's also got the the weirdest thing about him is that he can just dunk on anybody if he wanted to, and n- hardly ever does it. Uh, when he did it against the Lakers. I'd never seen him dunk and I watched a ton of like synergy stuff on him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't remember. And I even asked him in the press conference. I was like, I don't remember you dunking at Florida <laughs> and he did not He never yeah. dunked at Florida, which is yeah. so weird. And you see him like cock the ball back and just smash on somebody. You're like, man, if I could do that, I would do that all the time. <laughs> like, I would just try that like every other play if I could do that. And so it was just, it was just such an interesting season. I think there's a lot to uncover with him. Now, I don't know if he's – you think about – like on this team, yeah, you can play 30 minutes or whatever. It's fine. But when you get to the playoffs, like is Trey Mann going to be able to compete at a high enough level in the playoffs? I still have a lot of questions about that with him. Uh, yeah. Defensively, he, he would get roasted by any of the primary ball handlers that were in the playoffs this year. Like Jalen Brunson would have roasted him. Um and so I just wonder if he can, one, get bigger and stronger, and then can he be competitive enough on the defensive end for him to be somebody that plays in the playoffs? Because um, like these guys look good in regular season games and have some really fun moments. But, I mean, it would look, even like a guy like Cameron Payne, like he couldn't play on those Thunder playoff teams. Right. You know, he's like – he was a pretty good regular season player. So I still have questions about that with him. Don't have that with Josh. Like Josh is fiery. Josh is competitive. Josh. I mean, that guy, once he grows, once he gets more confident and he, you know, feels more comfortable as a pro, like this dude is going to talk so much trash. It's going to be amazing. Um, Trey though, I still have questions about, but he's super fun. The step back stuff is stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the the space creation is what just always caught my attention. 
that that last year at Florida, and he was creating like yards of space. I was like, yeah. oh my lord! Like he's doing mid like the splits on his snatch back dribbles, and the guys flying to the baseline. Um, the explosiveness was not something I expected. And I remember when we're, yeah. you know, we always get the workout season videos and stuff. And there's one of him where his eyes are on the rim. I'm like, where in the hell did that come from? And why was that never implemented in game tray? It's like weird. wild stuff. Um, but we have a new draft cl- draft class coming in and the thunder do have the number two pick. Very exciting. Um, who is your dream pick? at that spot uh i think it's chet holmgren I, we, I we like think, you already we like yeah. you already Andrew. <laughs> you're, you're welcome here anytime you want no, <laughs> the defensive upside with him is just insane and i talked about like the fiery competitiveness of josh giddy like there's chet you know fitting in alongside those guys like i don't i don't have questions about whether he is going to compete at a high level like he's going to uh, I think the offensive stuff, like he's got a really high ceiling and can do a lot of stuff. And whenever you've got the guy who's led the league and drives the past two years on your team and one of the most you know, a, a six foot eight, insanely creative passer that can make any pass with either hand, it's like, why wouldn't you want that guy? You know, they, they made Derek Favors look good in spots this past year. It's like, <laughs> just imagine like what Chet Holmgren would look like if you were receiving the ball, like on a pick and roll or pick and pop, or, you know, Chet will set good screens. And I, I just think that to me, if you were picking in the top three, you have to take the biggest swing possible because yeah. you, teams don't get to do this for many years. And, I think that there's some. I think that like Paulo is probably safer in some ways, just because he doesn't have the same like physical um, limitations that Chet does. Like he's built like a brick house. I think he's going to be real physical in the NBA, and uh, you can see that. But I just don't think he's got the same def- defensive upside. And just also, if you're the Thunder, you have the opportunity to have the weirdest team in NBA history here <laughs> with with Giddy and Shea and Chet and you know, you've got Poku still and you've got Darius Baisley. It's just like this, like what, like what are they? You know, I think that that, that to me would be very intriguing because you could create just like these weird matchups where like they're trying to defend them is just so unconventional. Like they'd be one of the most unconventional teams ever if they were able to get him. So, and I like that. I want to, to me, if you're going to be a great team in the NBA, and you're the thunder, you have to be weird. You can't try to be what everybody else is trying to do because you don't have the same ammo. Like you're not going to be able to compete in free agency players. I mean, Paul George was traded for, he came here, stayed two years and said, no, thanks. You know, you have to, you have to really shoot for the moon here. And that, that to me is Chet Holmgren. Rucker, you and I have had Chet number one on our boards all season. Um, how, how do you like that fit? Um, do you think if he is there, that's the route to go? And if he's not, which way do you think w- would make a lot of sense for the Thunder? Yeah, if, if he's on the board at two, I think Presti might break the record for quickest pick turned in. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I just think I absolutely love that for Thunder fans. I'm rooting for him. Um, I'm obviously rooting for the Magic to take him too, but I think just the idea, the fit with Giddy and Chet together would be so much fun. I mean, that's just, 
basketball nirvana with their IQ, their their playmaking ability. I still believe Chet has so much he's going to show on the offensive side of the ball. Like, I think he only got to kind of tease us with what he could do at Gonzaga this year. So, you know, SGA and, and Chet together, too, and pick and rolls would be exciting. So I love that fit. Um, I, I think that's an absolute dream. But, Andrew, I kind of wanted to ask you as well, like, let's say Chet does go one. Do you mm-hmm. – the the debate gets interesting, like d- between potentially Jabari and Paulo. Do you think Jabari could make more sense, or Presti could be more intrigued with that upside? Do you think Paulo could be the option there, just because of the the offensive firepower that he could bring alongside with what they have already? I think Jabari is like the easiest one to picture in your head mm-hmm. of all three of them, uh, just because the Thunder have no shooting. I think the guy that shot the best percentage that played like a thousand minutes plus for the Thunder, I think it was like 36%. So I think that's even below league average at this point. So they don't have any shooting. And so you put Jabari Smith on this team, you instantly have somebody that the defense cares about. And if, if you, if you know this and you're not a Thunder fan, you are like an absolute NBA psycho and I love you for it. But (laughs) Like Mike Muscala was really good. Mm-hmm. And like the on-off numbers with Mike Muscala this year are they make no sense. It's like how like how is that even yeah. possible? He's he was like a plus minus god in Oklahoma City <laughs> this past year. And if he's able to do that, like what is what does it look like with Jabari Smith? Because he can do so much more offensively than Mike does. You know, he's got the wonderful pull up, you know, he can run around screens a little bit he can catch and shoot he can jab step and shoot i mean he's got a lot in his bag when it comes to just playing on the perimeter and if you're the thunder you've already got guys that are getting their way to the rim and scoring and that's not really what you know he's good at what jabari's good at but what you need is a release valve and like an elite one you need an elite shooter on the wing if you're the thunder to maximize what shea and giddy can do and to me, that's it's the easiest fit. And then defensively, I don't think the ceiling is nearly as high as Chet's. But you know, he can slide his feet. He he play a little bit more physical at times. And he's I have a hard time believing he's going to be anything but a plus defender in the NBA. So you, know, you wonder about like the the upside with him compared to Chet. You know, can he develop? Uh, his ball handling enough to be a more of a go-to guy. I have, I I don't know if that's there or not. He's, he's the youngest guy of this trio, which makes him more intriguing. Cause I think about, you know, what does Jabari Smith look like at Auburn next year? You know, if he were to go back in this hypothetical world, like he'd be the same age as Chet was this year at Gonzaga. Like, what does that, what does that year look like for Jabari? Like, I don't know. Like, I have no idea. I don't know how much better he looks, um, but to me, it's pretty, it's pretty intriguing to think about, you know, him in particular, just because I think the fit is, it's very simple. It's not strange. It's very conventional. You can picture Jabari Smith in the playoffs this year and what that would look like. Uh, so it feels almost like a little bit safer to take Jabari for the Thunder, just because he fits an immediate need for them. Uh and still has a lot of room to grow. So I think that if you're the Thunder and you don't get Chet, I think that you feel super good about Jabari Smith being there. 
Is there anything that Presti could do it to that would make Thunder fans go, um, what? Um, you know, out, assuming outside of that top, th- you know, that consensus top three, if they did go Jaden Ivey or Shaden Sharp or even, you know, reached even more for like an AJ Griffin or, you know, even a Jalen Duran, would there be anything that he could do that would really make Thunder fans question him? Yeah, I think taking Shaden at that spot would just be like, all right, bro. What do you what do you know about this guy? You know, like what's what's the deal here? Um, I that would be that's a guy even at five that I'm like, oh, I, I think you should take him. I think, yeah, you know that kind of player. Sure. Uh, I don't know. There's tons of straight and sharp propaganda out there on the internet that I'm just like, get it out of my yeah. face. Like I don't want to watch that. Like it's not helpful to me. Like him going half speed and then doing a windmill dunk. Yeah. In an empty There's gym. There's guys in high school that, that do the you? same stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's just like it, it bothers me so much that like people quote to eat that. They're like, oh, future NBA legend. I'm like, stop it. You know, here we go. We got Andrew warmed up. I love it. Now we're rolling. <laughs> like, I mean, if Gerald Green was that guy. Yes. You know, doing oh, that. God. You would think like, oh my, this guy's gonna be better than Michael Jordan. Yeah. If you just watched him one on oh with a you know, a camera phone on him, you would think that guy was going to be the best player in NBA history. So like just don't show me the shade and sharp propaganda. <laughs> and hopefully I don't know what they're gonna be able to learn. I'm sure that he'll do one on oh workouts with teams. I don't know how much you can learn from those. Uh, I've heard he's a real quiet guy, that he's kind of unassuming and shy even so i don't know what they'll get from interviews with him i don't know um i i i guess you'd have to trust that sam like thinks this guy's gonna be i don't know like what's like what's the best case outcome for shade and sharp like what's the best case comp for him probably like as maybe zach levine i i I keep seeing like anthony edwards and Jalen green comparisons and he doesn't have the same first step as those guys like the similar vertical explosiveness is there but he doesn't have that um same kind of ability to improvise off the dribble that lightning quick first step that's not there and you know his defense is a tire fire um so who who knows how quickly that improves if it does so just an uber athletic shooter um i i think there's on ball stuff there that will develop uh but it's all very pre-planned at this point where it's okay i'm gonna cross over step back spin to my right and then shoot it's not reading and reacting it's not getting downhill with craft it's just very very planned and robotic at this point uh but i definitely buy the shooting long term yeah and then ivy i just it doesn't make a lot of sense yeah four was always a spot that was like uh, okay (laughs) like they'll find somebody i'm sure like they'll pick somebody that will help there, I'm sure. But Ivy just is not a great fit. Like the speed is insane. Like some of the explosiveness stuff is insane. It's really fun. Um, but his like lack of a left hand and lack of shooting is just it's like, okay, how does he fit here? Because you need somebody to space the floor. You can't just have everybody just trying to barrel to the rim the whole time. You have to have somebody to space out. And he doesn't make, he doesn't do that. And I I like Ivy just fine. I like him if you're at four or five, cool. But if you take him over Jabari Smith or even Paulo Bancaro, I'm like this, I I don't know how to make sense of that, honestly. 
I would be, especially for this team in particular. I think that you can make the case with other teams, but when you've got a star shooting guard, point guard of the future, and this weirdo Josh Giddy on your team, like you don't, that's not what you need. You need a play finisher. You need somebody that's going to get you buckets. And if you can get it from a guy that's six ten, it's like it's even that's even better. So I would I I wouldn't be surprised because Sam's just he's he loves to be unconventional and he he's I don't know what his draft board looks like. I would love to know what his draft board looks like because I'm sure it would be really I'm sure there would be some ones that would shock everybody. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I would still be surprised if if it's not either Chet or Jabari. Honestly, those two seem to just fit yeah. OKC so well. And Presti has had in the past with Russell Westbrook and James Harden a, l- a little bit of a history and even Giddy of going against consensus, um, at least mm-hmm. to some extent. Rooker, is there anyone outside of that top three? If for some reason Presti did, you know, just take a swing and go out on a limb for a guy, is there anyone you like as a fit? Because for the last month or two, when we've been talking about OKC at four, it's been worst case scenario because we like Ivy as a prospect. We don't love him on that team. Yeah, if I was ever saying if they were at four, I just didn't really get um, the Ivy fit, like Andrew was saying, because it would just be creating a headache where it was just all these guys need the ball in their hands. What are you going to do? How are you going to figure it out? Is SGA all of a sudden going to be thrown around in every trade rumor possible again? Are we going to have one of those off seasons? Um, I just don't really know if I see anyone at two that's like way outside the box that we haven't discussed. I thought when they were at four that Keegan Murray could have been a wild card just because of the intangibles, the type of kid he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked that fit. I could have, I could have seen Presty buying into that of being like, we got some really good assets around us. Let's get a hard worker team guy that can do a little bit on both sides of the ball, low maintenance, just one of those grinders. So I could have seen that curveball, but I think that's too rich at two. But um, like you said, Metcalf, like, Presti's had a history of like, he doesn't, his board's going to look different than a lot of people's like the James Harden pick, the Russell Westbrook pick. They didn't have freakish numbers in college, um, especially Westbrook, but they had that upside that Presti saw. So it's going to be fascinating. I still like Jabari there. I, I really do think that the defensive upside, especially is probably going to move the needle forward. Well, they also have the number 12 pick. And mm-hmm. Andrew, we saw that in your the athletics uh, lottery mock, you took AJ Griffin there. Would he be your ideal pick at that spot? Or was that just kind of best player available? I felt like he was best player available. I still have a lot of concerns about AJ. Uh, defensively, I'm not really sure what he looks like. Not good. He plays good. just so. He just plays so heavy. Yes. You know, when you're watching him, like he just looks so heavy, and I I worry about that to a degree. Um, but with what was left, it's like I really like Dyson Daniels. I think if he was available, like he makes a lot of sense for the Thunder and feels kind of thundery to me. Um, I I don't think Johnny Davis is the best fit, but I really like his talent and and what he could bring. Uh, Matherin won't, I would be shocked if Matherin was there, but like that dude is freaking awesome. Like I, I love Ben Matherin. I think he'd be so fun on this team just because of his ability to cut and, you know, he's a pretty decent passer. And then just the shooting he brings from the wing. I really like that. But 
Um, I do like AJ Griffin. I do think that he, the shooting that he could provide on the perimeter for the Thunder would be great. Uh, you worry about the injury history. You worry about the athleticism. But, you know, the Thunder just needs shooting. And, you know, I haven't watched enough, like, Usman Jang yet. Um, I'm kind of, like, souring a little bit on Tari Eason a little bit. A lot of Thunder fans really like him. But I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't know if I see it with him. And then, like, you could go the way of a of a big man. Like, you could go Jalen Dern or Mark Williams there, too. But to me... Like I don't, I don't know how good those guys are going to be at the NBA level. Maybe they are starting caliber bigs, and and maybe you think that's worth worth it there. But to me, the Thunder are never going to get like a good wing in free agency. They just won't. It'll never happen. They may be able to trade for one, but if you can get a wing that can develop and be a good player for you at twelve, that to me is like the positional value that's there or that could be there is just way more than a big, you know, the thunder, the thunder got Nerlens Noel in free agency. And like, that's a decent enough center for you. And if, you know, Jalen Dern or Mark Williams are, they'll probably project to be better than what, than what Nerlens Noel was. But still to me that, that those guys are easy to get, you know, Clint Capella, you could, they traded for Clint Capella, the, the Hawks did and didn't have to give up a whole heck of a lot to make that happen. And so to me, that's just, it's more like like the value proposition of taking a big at that spot. I just don't love it, um, especially with the amount of, like somebody out of like the AJ Griffin, Dyson Daniels, Matherin, Sohan, Johnny Davis group will probably be there. And I would rather have one of those guys. So historically, there always seems to be some late bloomer that pops out of that late lottery group who turns into a real legit longtime starter. So at that spot, do you think Presti's strategy would lean more towards best player available or fit? Or what do you think kind of given their history, um, how do you think he would approach that? I think he's going best player available. I think he's probably swinging for the fences um, on this pick. And if you connect on pick 12 and it's, I don't know if it is Dyson Daniels or somebody like that and you, you're going to give them the time and space to develop. There's no pressure on them to become a great player in year one. And they just want them like Dyson Daniels would just need to like be in the weight room, like every single day, basically, (laughs) you know, for year one to try to get bigger. Um, Yeah. I, I would be surprised if they went for fit. The thing is like the thunder stink and like (laughs) there's no fit, you know, happening right now with the thunder. It's if, it's really who they pick it to it's Shay and it's giddy. Like that's your team and whoever else pops. Awesome. Uh, whoever else is able to stay, if they're able to extend Lou Dort. Great. Uh, but is Lou Dort going to change the potential of your franchise? No. Um, you know, there's really nobody else on the roster that you're really trying to, you know, that you are banking on. And so at this point, if you can, get a guy that even has like a 10% chance of becoming that guy. Like you do it outside of like, I mean, Mark Williams, I feel like would be a really simple pick where it's just like, okay, he's going to be a a starting level center. He's really athletic. He's a giant. I mean, he's absolutely massive and has some scoring upside and, you know, like he could be a good player Mm -hmm. at the NBA level. Like I could definitely see that, but 
to me, I have higher aspirations for the Thunder at 12 than than that. What do you Rucker. guys think? Like, who do you who do you think is like yeah. the highest? Like, who's got the highest potential around that around that area? Well, I personally think they're in an awesome spot. I think 12 now that you have two is a really, really good pick um, because me and Metcalf have had some Thunder fans ask us like, what, what can they do to trade up to from 12? And I'm like, I don't know if it's worth going unless someone really eye opening for Presti is falling down the board mm-hmm. and you'd probably have to get around Portland. You'd have to get Portland to bite to trade back, which yeah. what do you want to give up to, to get up there? But um they have some really good options there. And in every draft class in the lottery, there's always one curveball. And, and if it happens, then someone falls. Because so, like mm-hmm. Matherin, Daniels, um, Tyler Metcalf is one of the biggest Johnny Davis fans in the world. I love Matherin, so you're talking to the right guys. Yeah. Um, and we both <laughs> like Dyson Daniels. So um, I think they're in a great spot. Zhang could be the, the humongous swing that if he What hits, do you guys think about him? I haven't watched enough of him yet. Metcalf, this- you start it. I'm going to let you talk because you need to stop asking questions and talk a little more. (laughs) Uh, The first half of his season was some of the worst basketball you'll watch from any of these prospects. Um, The second half was absolutely incredible. Uh, The the shot started falling. He has really good touch and mechanics, and I really definitely buy the jumper long term. He showed a little bit of on-ball creation uh, that was interesting i'm not sure i'd buy it short term but long term there's something there and then he could be one of the best passers from this class too um Mm -hmm. given his length there's a lot of upside defensively i think he showed um some pretty good footwork on the perimeter and some good off ball awareness with rotations and stuff it's a little inconsistent um but my bigger concern with his defense is that he's not a very physical player and he doesn't really initiate or you know invite contact um some of that gets cleaned up a little bit with how freaking long he is but that worries me a little bit but the 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 offensive upside and improvement that he showed from like the middle of their season to the end was pretty astonishing yeah what about it, the it, shot? what's the shot look like it's pretty it, yeah. it, it, it um He's, you know, we're saying he's probably one of the best passers. He's not giddy level passing, but there is really intriguing feel with that size and that youth. And and like the shot is a weapon. He would be, Mm -hmm. he would be a guy that could come in and space the floor as like a spot up guy while the rest of the tools come together. And I could see it being a realistic option for the Thunder at 12. That might not be as exciting for some OKC fans, just because Presty might be like, like you said, Andrew, this is the wing that if he clicks, you, yeah. you could get him in free agency, but you might not need to now because if he hits, woo, if they had him hitting Giddy, Jabari, maybe at two, um, I mean, if they got Chet and Jang, they might just not even, they just stretch out. They would cover the whole floor. So it'd be <laughs> awesome. But um that's probably the big swing yeah i think would you say that metcalf at 12 yeah and i the the shooting mechanics and i thought the touch was really impressive on it um and he might need to raise his release point just a little bit um but the the way the the shot was falling especially off ball like in spot up situations at the end of the year um it was like okay th- this is a very real skill and at 610 i see it translating 
you know, pretty quickly. Um, and I, I think that is a really important point that you mentioned, Rucker, that he'll be able to contribute as a spot up shooter pretty early. And then as the body matures, as you know, the game slows down for him, that's when the rest of the tools will hopefully catch up and that versatility kind of comes along like we think it will. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he got off to a similarly slow start in the NBA, uh, just given his how raw and how young he still is. Um, but the fact that he made such a drastic improvement in the middle of the season after that bad of a start, yes. I think is really encouraging. It was ridiculous. <laughs> It was literally just night and day difference. I couldn't believe, like, beginning of the year, we were like, oh, man, I, he might need another year. And then all of a sudden, at one point, you were like, okay, this is legit. This looks awesome. This is a potential lottery guy. So, um, yeah, if you watch him, Andrew, just be careful when you watch the beginning of the season because you might be <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> Metcalf, who, do you, who else do you like there? At 12, because we're big Mark Williams guys, but I mean, yeah. it's just well, fun now because whoever, if they get Jabari at two or, or Chet, 12 is a real fun pick now because it's like a kicker. It's a sweetener. Yeah. Not, now that they've moved up to two, you know, I, I feel like that set, that big man position is handled in some form or fashion. So I, I love Mark Williams, um, but what you were saying about him, Andrew, makes perfect sense about what this team needs how he would fit and what he would be and you know it's not exactly what they would be looking for I I think AJ Griffin if he falls there makes a lot of sense I like you I have a ton of concerns but his entire career he's been a plus 40 percent three-point shooter um and I'd buy the shot at minimum um and then I think he has a little bit more on ball juice and creation that he just wasn't allowed to show because coach K just plopped him in the corner and told him to sit there um, the entire mm-hmm. season. Uh, and Johnny Davis, I absolutely adore. Um, I, I Then I think Malachi Branham could be a sneaky one too. Yeah. Um, he was another one of these guys whose development and improvement came way ahead of schedule. Uh, just really, really composed and patient on ball, really good passer, runs an awesome pick and roll game, lethal off ball shooter. Um, and then good length that I I, th- I think the defense is better than some others do. I don't think it's necessarily good, but he has the tools and there are flashes there for it to improve. But the offensive upside and versatility to play on or off ball, I, I think is really fascinating. And the fact that he kind of turned a corner this quickly um, and way quicker than a lot of people thought, I, I think there's, you know, another couple leaps there for him to take. Yeah, he's pretty interesting for the Thunder too. And like to me, I wouldn't worry about Trey or any of those guys like yeah. be on the roster already. Like you just if you think Malachi Brown's gonna be better, you just take him. Mm-hmm. Or if you think he's even comparable, just take him. You know, if that's the kind of player that you want. Like just you know, let those guys compete. Let them prove it. Let them prove who's better. And Pressy talked about that at the end of the season, his end of season presser. He's like, Hey, we might just draft four guys. And we don't have spots for everybody, and they're just going to have to compete, and and we'll have to see who's you know who's best, and you know I think that that would be a pretty interesting pick for them too. He's crazy young, and yeah. under you know they want to have a really long runway before they get good again, and you know he's you know Branham's one that I think makes sense for that. Um, there's a lot of guys honestly in this range that would make sense for that. Um, yeah he's definitely one of them 
Andrew, one of the names I wanted to ask you about specifically was Patrick Baldwin Jr. and kind of how you felt about him. I think he's quickly becoming one of the more polarizing uh, prospects in this draft and for good reason. Um, So if if at 12, the Thunder did take a huge swing on Baldwin, how how would you feel about that? I think that, you know, Sam would have to be real sold on like his competitiveness to take him because the shooting stuff will will likely be there. Mm-hmm. And if you're the Thunder, you need shooting badly. And if you can get shooting from a 6'10 guy, and like if you get Jabari and him, and you have like these two 6'10 like lights out shooters. I mean, there's a lot of worse ways to go, I think, than than doing that. Like having those two out on the wing, I think would make sense. Uh, if they feel feel good enough about, you know, his competitiveness and that he just had a bad year, at Milwaukee and it was just a weird year for him and he jumps back in where he was the year prior it's like okay I, I could see that that's happened with guys before you know I think about even and they're way different players but like DeAndre Jordan at Texas A&M you know mm-hmm. started out like as a guy that was supposed to be a top 10 pick and then fell to the second round and then you know a couple of years later it's like oh yeah there there he is like that's that's what he was supposed to be and so that happens from time to time. And so I wonder, I, I'd be real surprised if he was, if he was their guy there, but I mean, the profile is, is one that is really intriguing, you know, six ten, he's not crazy skinny either. Like he's, he's got some muscle to him and can really shoot the basketball and he's only 19, you know, it's like, okay, like that's, that sounds like a great profile of a player to me. Now, does that translate to the NBA? Right. You know, if, if he's the same guy that he was in Milwaukee, it's like, oh boy, you know, maybe wait till 30, Sam, <laughs> to uh, take that swing. But I don't know. I, I've, I've been intrigued with him, or at least I've been intrigued with the idea of him. I've not yeah. necessarily loved what I saw from him, though. Rucker, where are you at with Baldwin right now? Because the, the combine testing numbers have been underwhelming, let's say. Um, but I, I know that earlier you were holding some of your stock or at least not completely selling off of all of it. So where would you be with him at 12? Yeah, 12, I probably wouldn't sleep well. Um, (laughs) Might be putting it lightly. Yeah. He's, he's becoming the most polarizing prospect in this class. He was a potential top five pick in the beginning of the year. It's been a nightmare season. He just seems like he's slowly trending the wrong direction, but it's all going to come down to teams getting in front of him, interviewing him, seeing him in workouts. I don't know. I think if he was there at 30, like let's say he's fallen and, and he's there at 30, I think that's a swing press you should yes. take mm-hmm. because absolutely if, if that's one, if you have multiple, you know, darts to throw at the board and you throw that one and it doesn't connect like, okay, fine. I still had some other choices, but the upside, the swing would be so worth it. So I like his game. I still believe if he's around other talent that it, it, it was just going to blossom. Like if he's playing with Giddy, if he's playing with Shea, if he's playing with all those guys, he's, his life's going to be a lot easier compared to the situation he had at Milwaukee. So I'm still believing, but you know, my, my stock, my stock is getting a little scary right now. So Metcalf, <laughs> are you still believing? He's making it hard to, I yeah. want to, um, and the, the Milwaukee tape is awful. Um, and his point guards are actively looking 
at him wide open in the corner and then turn into the opposite side of the court. Yeah. So that that's not ideal. Uh, the the explosiveness numbers at the combine weren't great. I think the shot will come along eventually. I like the passing. I think he has a really good basketball IQ. Um, I thought his te- team defense with rotations and hedging and just kind of that simple that you know subtle off ball stuff was encouraging. But and my my biggest takeaway from this Milwaukee season is that he's just he's not a number one guy. Right. But if he's your third or fourth scoring option in a lineup, then okay, maybe maybe we have something to go with here. But the, the shot's got to fall for him at the end of the day because it doesn't seem like he's going to be able to create uh, much of anything against NBA level defenders. And I'm actively talking myself out of him when I was trying to sell myself and listeners on him. So <laughs> this is this is not going the way I expected it to. Yes, there you go. Talk about your all time backfire. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, do you like are you intrigued with any prospects in this class? Are you are you warming up? Are you nervous about anyone? You know. You know, your- I I try to do deep dives on as many of these guys as I can and I haven't gotten that far yet. I think I've done like 10 guys so far and and know a, like about the other players, but I don't I haven't done a deep enough dive on the guys that are closer to like third of the 30 and 34 pick that's the interesting thing about this thunder team is that they've got two 12 30 34 which is just like wow like you get to choose all over the draft board and i think this draft is probably more confusing than any others that we've covered in the past just because you know after those first three or four guys it's like who knows what's going to happen and it's like beauty in the eye of the beholder type of situation. And then once like somebody, somebody good is going to be at 12. I'm really excited about that. I don't know. I don't know what the, what you guys think of the depth at like 30 and 34, because like last year, <clears throat> excuse me, last year you felt pretty good about like the overall depth of the class. Uh, the Thunder had two um early second round picks and you're like they're gonna probably get somebody good there they ended up trading those and got jeremiah robinson earl who um you know like he could be a guy like, who knows what's gonna happen with him but he sh- he shows some competitiveness and some fire and a little bit of shooting last year um so that's he was interesting but i don't know what i don't know what what to think about the guys in the 30 to 34 range of this class yet go ahead metcalf no, I, I just think it's right around 25 is where you see a lot of boards really start to differ yeah. wildly. Um, and, you know, for me, like that 25 to 35 to 40 range, it's like there's not a whole lot of difference between these guys. And it's kind of how you just value someone who you think will be a bit role player for mm-hmm. a handful of years or how much of a lottery ticket you think someone is. Um, and like a guy like Bryce McGowan's, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up becoming a 20 point scorer in the NBA, but then it also wouldn't surprise me if the shot never develops and the decision-making continues to be poor and he just kind of plays himself out of the league. So, and it's really, really tricky. Um, I, I, I like the center depth in this class quite a bit. And you got the guys at the top, um, you know, Chet, Duran, Mark Williams, who will all probably go lotto. Um, but then you got guys like Christian Coloco, Ishmael Kamigate, and um, Walker Kessler, who will probably fall into the 20s or even the early second round. And I think there's a lot of value 
to be had there. So if they do take that swing, you know, on a wing at 12 and then are looking to just bolster their, their center depth, I, I think they're really quality guys who could contribute right away. Like Kessler, um, you know, his shot blocking numbers this year were absurd and historic um, block rate. And then Coloco, who's, you know, on off um, rim field goal percentage and they were, your opponent shot 10% worse when he was on the floor than when he was off. And that's a huge difference. So I, I, I do think there's value to be had there. Um, but I, I, there are really some interesting kind of home run swings there too. R- Rucker, what about you? I like the depth. Um, I, I think 25, like Metcalf's hinting at, when you get to 20 to 25 and then you go to 40-ish, it could be in any order. Like there's, mm-hmm. you want guards, you want home run swings, you want bigs, like there's everything. There's guys that could go to the one place and all of a sudden just be a swing and they really connect. Um, like Max Christie could be in that conversation. Um, Bryce McGowan's like Metcalf's talking about, Turkavion Smith's trending in the right direction right now. There, there's just a lot of really intriguing tools. Um, if Trevor Keels keeps his name in, I think, I feel really highly about him. So it's going to be fascinating. I think, I think I'm not trying to just say this because Andrew's on the show, but I think, okay, he's in a great spot at 32. I think there's going to be some picks at the end of the first round that might be head scratchers to, you know, the public, but it might just be how boards are going to different, you know, differentiate and Pressy might be in a great spot to just, pick up someone who might be falling a little bit, pick up a guy that, you know, maybe a Christian Brown or, or someone like that, that might not have the upside, but he might be a really good rotation asset. So I think there's real good depth. Um, I hate when every year someone's like this draft class isn't as good as the other ones. And it's like, well, no one's going to be as good as the last two drafts because they yeah. look freakish. Um, mm-hmm. But this one, I think there could be some good depth, not the star power, but good depth. So, Rucker, if, if OKC is still taking that kind of home run swing mentality that they will likely have at 12, um, just who, who are like your three favorite names for them at 30? Oh, thanks, Metcalf. Appreciate you putting me on the spot. <laughs> I'm yeah. just home run swings, you're saying? Yeah, let, let's assume that that the dream scenario plays out. They get Chet at two, and then let's say they take a – big swing on Usman Jang or AJ Griffin or Matherin at 12. So a wing at 12, just bet, you know, if you're going best case scenario, lottery ticket at 30, who are your kind of top three names there? Um, if I'm still swinging, if, if Presti's just saying I'm swinging for the fences all night, um, Peyton Watson would be a very big swing at 30. I still a think heck of a swing. Yeah. Despite a down year, I still think that, he has some really crazy upside when it comes to his length, his playmaking and defensive potential, but that would be a very big swing. I'd love Max Christie to somehow end up on the Thunder roster just with that developmental program and, and they can install some confidence in them. I think they do a great job with that. Um, our, our boy, Gabriel Prochita, Metcalf, we, we got to just speak it into existence. I, I love his game. I think – him going to OKC and maybe get some G League reps with the blue and they just bring him along slowly. He has the tools. If if the Thunder needs shooting, 
Prochita could be that. Like that okay. is a great weapon for him. And, and I know if they took Jang at 12, but still just keep adding wings, keep adding shooting. So he's a fun one, Andrew. If you haven't watched him, he could go much later in the second round, but uh-huh. his highlights are awesome. Just nasty Italian kid that has good size. He can dunk. He's got a beautiful shot, but we're a little, we're a little biased. We love him. So he might go away <laughs> later and you're like, what are these no ceilings guys talking about? He went 48. No. <laughs> what about Leonard Miller? What do you guys think of him? Oh boy. You, oh. Just struck, you, you hit a soft subject. I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I would probably have him much lower. I still think he's yeah. kind of like a mid second round guy, but there's some people okay. that are drooling. And then I understand yeah. if you, if you see it, you see it, but um, I'm trying to be polite. I don't see it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just, I, I'm good. yeah, raw, just very raw to me. Yeah, but, I, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I just the, the the shooting mechanics are weird and almost vary by game. Um, and the the ball handling and the playmaking upside is fascinating, especially at his size. I, I get that. Um, the defense is an absolute mess. Um, <laughs> I, I think he he might be one of my least favorite defenders in this class, but. At that size, I, I get what people are trying to envision with him. Um, I just think he's way more theoretical than yeah. being close to, you know, being put into practice. Um, so it, it's really tough for me to, to spend a first round pick on a guy like that that feels that far away. Because it feels when you watch his high school tape, it feels like he was never held accountable or, you know, Hmm. He was just completely let off the leash and allowed to do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. Um, and that, that produced some incredible highlights. Um, and if you go on YouTube and just look up his highlights, it's a lot of really fun stuff. But it's the stuff that happens in between all of those that really makes me worry. Yeah. Rucker, anything else? Thunder related questions? The uh, well, we kind of talked about it earlier, Andrew. Do you think they'll they'll take four picks? Because I've I've seen Presti has a history with like that end of the first round. He always loves to move it, but I do think he's in a good spot to like he could have some real good pieces if he adds four guys. And, and I do believe a lot of GMs with having multiple first round picks, they might just be like, "Hey, we're drafting four guys, and whoever's the best players are going to make this roster regardless." But um, I think a lot of OKC fans have been asking us, and I've been like, hey, you know. Depends on how the board plays out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it depends too on if there's any offers for the picks. You're right because right. there's a there's like a threshold for every draft selection, you know, for the team. And they you know, they traded 16 for two future firsts last year, and I wouldn't count that out as early as 12. I'd be shocked if they traded out of two, but if they traded out of 12 because somebody said, we'll give you two very lightly protected future first right. from these two teams, I think they would go, yep. You know, I think that they would do that instantly. Uh, so I'd be a little surprised if they walked away with four guys, just because there is already a roster crunch and they want to give some room for development for some of these guys. But heck, if they like four guys, they'll do it. They'll right. take them and they will say goodbye to Isaiah Roby or whoever else they have to, to make the roster work. Um, but I would probably say they'll come away with three players is what is 
that'll that's my prediction but man i don't know like trying to predict sam Presti's is a is a puzzle every single year which is pretty fun because like some gms will just come out and just tell people like yeah we like this guy this is what we want to do and then like your content is just you saying the same name for five <laughs> weeks after after the lottery. Um, Sam is different. Sam doesn't want anybody to know anything, and it's there's uh, there's some fun intrigue about that because you get to be you really you really have to do your homework, honestly, and think about like what have the last two drafts told us about how Sam is thinking about this next iteration of the Thunder. And how can we use that information to predict who like checks the thunder boxes? And that's, it's a fun, it's a fun process. It's a ton of work. And I think that, um, but it keeps people engaged. Like it definitely keeps me engaged. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I can't, I cannot wait for this draft. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for your time. This is a lot of fun. Um, congratulations again. Big move up for the Thunder. Uh, please plug away. Tell the people where they can find you, where they can support you. Yeah, if you can, if you want to listen to more Thunder content, you can check out Down to Dunk. It's on all the podcast platforms. We've got a YouTube page as well, so you can uh, check that out. Uh, the Athletic NBA Show. I am the producer for the Tuesday show and then for I'm the host and producer for the Saturday show. And then we do a, a game recap of uh, all the NBA games every night called the daily ding. I'm a producer and a host for that show as well. So you can check that out. And then if you are a super duper thunder psycho, you can go to patreoncom slash OKC dream team um, and subscribe to our Patreon show there where we we're going to do a show about, we're hoping to get like 35 prospects where we do a podcast about 35 different prospects. Um, we do a two weekly shows. We've got tons of content there as well. So uh, lots of places. If you just have the need to hear my voice again, uh, <laughs> if you have that unfortunate need. It's uh, it's available. Rucker plug away. Um, I'm at NoSealingsNBA.com, and um, on Twitter, you can find me at Tyler underscore Rucker or Backcourt V. Um, just want to say thank you again, Andrew, for coming on. I'm very excited for uh, draft season to be really going crazy right now, and uh, congratulations again on on the OKC train going up to two. Yes. Well, once again, I'm Tyler Metcalf. You can follow me on Twitter at TeamMetcalf11. You can find all of our written work for free at NoSealingsNBA.com. You can follow us on Twitter at NoSealingsNBA and on YouTube at NoSealingsTV. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating. Until next time, see ya.